I just can't figure out how to get that done, and I know what I'm not supposed to do, but some way or another, I keep finding myself sliding over there doing that thing. He says in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Verse 24, it comes to a conclusion. Oh, wretched man that I am. I know what it takes to be a good father. Oh, wretched father that I am. I know what it says to be a good husband. Uh, oh, wretched husband that I am. I, I know what it says to be a good Christian. Oh, wretched Christian that I am. I know where I'm supposed to be, but boy, I just don't seem to be living up to it. And then he says this. You say, well, let's just shut the lights. The party's over. Not so. Not so. When you're trying to live by the rules, yep, you're going to be frustrated. When you, try to, when you try to follow God the best you can in your own willpower, yep, you're going to fail. Uh, when, you, when you try to say, okay, here's the list. Give me the list. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to be like this. Let me imitate Christ. Yeah, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated because that's impossible. What did he find? It says in verse 24, who, say that with me, who, not what, who. We're looking for a what, and the whole time it's a who. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy, your kindness and your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that your will be done in this place. Thank you for allowing us to come together and learn from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, let's do a quick review. Let's do a quick review and, and catch us up to where we are today. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago when we started these verses, we learned that we got a problem. And that shouldn't, that shouldn't take a teacher to have to tell us that, amen? We, we don't need a preacher to tell us we got a problem. We don't need a professor to tell us we got a problem. We know we got a problem. We know we're trying to live right and we don't seem to make it. We know we have issues in our life that we seem to mess up all the time. We know we got a problem. The only thing is we don't know what the problem is. Preacher, I try to live right. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just keep messing up. What is the problem. Two weeks ago, we learned that that problem is sin. It is sin. It is the condition of sin. Whether you want to call it a disease, whether we want to call it a condition, whether you want to call it an entity, whatever you want to call it, we were born in sin. We learned that we were from Adam. And when Adam sinned in the garden, he passed sin upon all men. For all have sin. And according to the Bible, according to Romans, it says, because sin has passed upon all men, death has passed upon all men. You want proof that you're a sinner? Guess what? You're dying. Do you realize that every person, the moment they're born, they begin to die? Cells begin to die. Things begin to die. You're, 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 you're growing up to die. We are dying. People is dying. This earth is dying. Your house is dying. Your brand new car will rust one day. Everything is dying because everything is under the curse of sin. And because there's sin, there's death. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The wages of sin is death. Anywhere sin goes, death follows. Always it's the case. Now, that's bad. 
That's bad. That's, that's horrible. We're, we're sinners. We're, we have been born into sin. We are in Adam. Uh, we have a family heritage that's awful because we were from Adam. We are in sin. Being in Adam, we are in sin. Well, we learned, remember, we had a cross over here. And on this cross over here, we had the name Christ. Because of what Christ did on the cross, we have been delivered from sin. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took that cup, that cup of sin that he asked the Father to take away because he's the pure and sinless, holy Lamb of God, a perfectly pure person. And he looked upon that cup and he saw the sin of mankind. And listen, he took upon himself that sin and went to Calvary. And on Calvary, he died. On Calvary, he defeated defeated sin. On Calvary, he destroyed the bondage. On Calvary, he destroyed the change. And when he died for sin, he died to sin. And when I became a Christian, when I became a believer, what happened to Jesus happened to me. And listen, when he died, I died. When he rose again, I rose again. And when he died to sin, I died to sin. And because of that, I am free. I am no longer a slave. I am no longer in bondage. I am no longer helpless I can't anymore say I couldn't help it and we declared that day two weeks ago we declared that day we can no longer say I'm just a sinner we can no longer declare I just couldn't help it I'm only human no no when you say that you're identifying yourself with Adam but the Bible says if any man be in if any man be in He's a new creature. Don't say that no more. Don't make that excuse no more. This is what you need to say every day of your life. You need to get out of bed, put your feet on the floor, stand straight up on that floor and say, I am in Christ. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Sin, you're no longer my master. I'm no longer a slave. Somebody say amen. I'm an heir of the kingdom. I'm a child of God. I feel pretty good this morning. How about y'all? You know why? Because I'm free. I'm free. Freedom is a liberating thing. It's wonderful to feel free. It's wonderful when, when listen, you have a say-so. When you're a slave, you have no say-so. As a slave to sin, I couldn't say so. I was, listen, it, I was forced. I was under the control of sin. But the moment I got saved, he broke that bondage. Now I have a say-so. I'm, I am, amen. Now watch this, watch this. Second thing we learned last week. We learned to lose our religion. That caused a little stir on the internet. Say amen. I heard people posting uh, uh, after the services, everybody's posting on there, we're losing our religion. I said, and, and, and people say, uh-huh, I knew temple was coming to that. I knew it was going to be that way. What do we mean by that? What do you mean losing our religion? Here's what we're doing. We're, we're going from a rules-based Christianity to a relationship-based Christianity. Amen. Now, here's, here's what religion does. Religion will take, take this and, 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 a, and a new babe in Christ, a, a, a new creature in Christ. He's believed by faith that the Lord saved him. And this is what the preacher, the teacher will do. And this is what I've seen most of my life. Okay, here's the rules. Now go do them. Okay, here, here's, here's Jesus. Here's what Jesus did. Now go be Jesus. How's that working for you? Was you Jesus when they cut you off in traffic? 
Was you, Jesus, when they mistreated your child? Uh-huh. I, I've done seen way too many. Bless God, I'm going to go up there to that school. And I'm going to. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm not sure Jesus done that. Yeah, he did. He turned tables and got a whip. That's not the same thing, people. How, how are we doing that? You see, we have been told, we have been told that Christianity is about imitation. Just go be Jesus. All right, look what Jesus did. See how Jesus act. Think like Jesus thought. Imitate Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I've been trying to do that for about 40 years now, and it ain't working. I've been in church my whole life. I know a whole lot about Jesus and a whole lot about what he thought and a whole lot about what he did, but I hadn't been real successful imitating him. You know why? Because Jesus said it's not about imitation. It's about impartation. Say that with me. Now, now what is the difference between imitation and impartation? Imitation is me being like Jesus. Impartation is Jesus in me being Jesus. See, see, let me let me tell you. Somebody hurts me. Somebody does me wrong, and I'm I'm gonna have to forgive them. They hurt me. They wounded me. They did me wrong. They had no right to do that. I mean, they they hurt me bad. Now I got to be like Jesus, and 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 if I'm gonna be like Jesus, I got to forgive them. Only problem is, I don't want to. How am I supposed to forgive them when I can't forget? Bless God, as long as I think about it, I want to choke them down in the floor and, and lay hands in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. I can't be like him. But you know what Jesus says? Hey, let me handle this. Let me prove it to you. How many of y'all remember a man by the name of Stephen? Stephen was being stoned. Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen was full of power and the spirit of God and the touch of God. And, and, and he was being stoned. Let me, let me illustrate this. Rocks are coming at him. And rocks are hitting him and crushing him and breaking bones. And blood is, is, is flowing because he is dying. And this is what he says in the midst of all of that. I'm talking about they are in the, in the very act of hurting him. In the very act of doing him wrong. In the very act of basically committing murder. In the midst of all of this. This is what Stephen says. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Let me translate that. Don't blame them. Don't blame them. Lord, don't hold this against them. Now, I don't know about you. But how many of y'all know that would be hard to do? But you know what? If we go back a few chapters. If we go back a few books. You will find out in the Gospels, there was a man hanging on a cross. And his name was Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What was he doing? He was forgiving the ones that was nailing him to the cross. You know what that tells me? It wasn't Stephen forgiving them, boys. It was Jesus in him. Here's the thing. I can do all things what does that mean? It's what Paul said. It's what Paul said when he said this. I am crucified with Christ. Y'all with me? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And see, we learned last week that it's not about, it's not about trying to manufacture these things in our life. Because that leads to failure. 
We looked at Galatians last week. Y'all remember? We looked at Galatians, and, and it talked about the works of the flesh. And it, and it had all this list of big-time sins and things that we have potential that we try to work up. Because, see, the flesh, cannot, the, the flesh cannot produce fruit. It only, it only works. It, it manufactures. But then it says something about the Spirit. It said the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And, see, fruit is different than a manufactured product. Fruit is different than a manufactured product. For example, have y'all ever seen a peach factory? You, you ever seen an apple factory? Now, I'm not saying a factory that makes apple pies. I'm talking about a factory that makes apples. Or a factory that makes peaches. No, there's no machine on the planet that can manufacture a fruit. But how many of y'all have ever seen a peach orchard? Or an apple orchard? Why? Because, because fruit does not come from a factory or a machine. You can't work it up. Fruit comes from life, and life comes from relationship. Are y'all with me? In other words, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, patience, all these things. In other words, here's what we've tried to do. By, by, by living religion and by living, living by the rules, we've been trying to work up, and we're going to say, I'm going to love my neighbor even if it kills me. I'm going to have self-control. I'm going to have patience. Bless God with my teenager if I choke him to death. How many of y'all have figured out by now you can't manufacture joy? You can't manufacture peace? You can't manufacture love for your enemy? No matter how hard you try? You know why? Because you can't work that stuff up. And you know what we've been told most of our life? Here are the rules. Go do it. Go love your neighbor. Go experience joy, bless God. Go have, go have joy in the valley. Praise him even when you're down in the dumps. How's that working for us? And you know what God says? No, 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 you're missing it. You're missing it. In John 15, he, he kind of he gives us the picture. In Galatians, he talks about the fruit and the byproduct. How many of y'all could, could use some joy in your life? How many of y'all could use some peace? How about, how about self-control? How about, how about some perseverance? Amen? Watch. This is what we're after. And this is what Jesus said. Hang out with me. What do you mean? Here's what he says, John 15. John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He gives an illustration. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me, you shall bear much fruit. You'll just have it. You won't have to work for it. You won't have to struggle. You won't have to strain. Y'all remember what I said last week about the apple tree? How many of y'all have ever seen an apple tree out there? No. No. It is drawing nutrients. Listen, the sap goes from the trunk out into that branch, and there it is. And Jesus says, hang out with me. Abide with me. Abide means to occupy yourself with. Hang out with the Lord. He said, if you'll hang out with me, you'll have joy. Hang out with me, and you'll have peace. All of a sudden, you'll be spending time with Jesus, and somebody will do you wrong, and you won't wig out about it. You'll wonder, why, why am I not upset? 
You'll go through a tragedy, you'll walk into that funeral home and you'll walk to that casket and somewhere or another there's an overwhelming peace that comes over you. And you'll wonder, where, where, where'd, that, where, where'd that come from? It's fruit. Now some of y'all, y- y'all are like the ones that Jesus was speaking to when he said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Some of you have been laboring so hard to live right. You've been working so hard to live right. You've been doing everything you can to try to do right. And now you're frustrated because you, 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 just, you just come to that point. You don't think it's possible. And Jesus says, come to me. Just come hang out with me. And I'll make sure all that stuff you're working, trying to get, you'll have it. And all God's people say it. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. Some of y'all are thinking, what is Jesus doing walking with the preacher? How many of y'all have at least, at least thought about it at least once through this service? All right, all right, all right. Now, here's the deal. Here's what I'm trying to point. The other day, me and Brother Buchanan, most of y'all know, if you don't, if you've been to the temple a long time, you know Brother Buchanan usually plays Jesus in our skits and in our dramas and all that. He's always Jesus. So uh, uh, one of my good friends, he was at a, at a restaurant uh, and, and called me and wanted to have lunch and also. I went up to the hospital to make some visits at the hospital, and Brother Buchanan went with me. And uh, we went up there, and after we made the visits, we were leaving there, and we stopped at that restaurant with my buddy, and he was in there, and I, I walked in, and when I moved, he saw Buchanan behind me. He said, he said I didn't know you was bringing Jesus with you. <laughs> and it was right after one of our dramas, you know, and he said, I didn't know you was bringing Jesus with you. And you know, all of a sudden, it clicked in my head. Everywhere I go, I'm bringing Jesus with me. Everywhere I go, in the valley, I've got Jesus with me. In the storm, I've got Jesus with me. In the temptation, I have Jesus with me. And you need to get it. You need to get it. Everywhere you go, if you're saved, you got Jesus with you. And you can do it. You can defeat temptation through Christ. Can, can we give Jesus a hand? Come on, come on. All right, all right. Now. That was absolutely the longest introduction I ever gave in my life. Amen? Here's the message. Here's what I want you to write down. Take notes. Take notes. If you're married, take notes. If you uh, wish you were married, take notes. If you wish you were not married, take notes right now. Amen? (laughs) All right? Take notes. This is important. Because we're going to talk about the most essential. And and this is going to be brief. This is going to be brief. And I knew it was going to be this way. So we're going to take the next three weeks to talk about these three points. Amen? Uh, uh, But we're going to talk about the most essential things in a relationship. I, I, I did all kind of studies this week and research and looking up things. And, man, everybody in the world's got a list. There's the 10 most important uh, elements to a good relationship. 16 most important, you know, I mean, you name it. It's it, the, the top three and the, the, the number seven, you know. I'm, and, and, and another thing, too, I learned that you could tell who made the list, whether it was a man or a woman. Amen? <laughs> but either way, there was some things that popped out. In every, in every one of the lists, there was a couple of them that was in every single one. I thought, these are important because everybody's thinking the same thing on these type of things. And boy, you tie it in with scripture and you look at how important these things are and this will work with our relationship with Christ because this is what I want to do. I want our church to start doing this. I want us to stop trying to love people. I want you to stop trying to fight temptation. I want you to stop trying to be forgiving. I bet you're thinking, what? He has lost. It's finally happened. It's finally happened. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to start working on your relationship with Jesus. And that forgiveness stuff, and that, and that loving stuff, and that, that, that self-control stuff, it'll take care of itself. So here's what I want to start working on. Here's, here's number three things. And I, I always, you know, you say number one, but it's not. They're all three important. This is just the first one on the list, okay? Now, now pay close attention because this can help your marriage too. You, it's it's, it's going to help every relationship. Number one, what, what do we need in a good, good relationship to develop a close, intimate relationship? Number one, communication. Communication, period. Communication. You can always tell, I've said this a hundred times in here, and it's funny every time, I don't care. Uh, uh, you can always tell when you're out to eat who's married and who's dating. Yeah. Who's married is eating, who's dating is talking. You see, those, those that are dating, those that are dating, they want to know each other. They want that person to know them, and they want to know that other person. They're sitting there jabber, jibber, jabber, jibber, jabber, jibber, jabber, jibber. They didn't even touch their food. They don't even care about their food. The food was completely unnecessary. It's just an excuse to be able to talk to my honey. Say amen. But who is married has done said all they need to say is time to get some groceries. I need a witness right there. And most of the time, most of the time, if the truth be known, the first breakdown in any relationship is communication. The first breakdown is communication. We stop talking. We stop sharing. We, start, we stop sharing what happened in our day-to-day. -day. We're tired. We're wore out. Kids done drove us crazy all day. I don't want to talk. Just give me my recliner. Give me my remote control. Leave me alone and bring me a tea. Say amen. And we just get frustrated with things, and we stop communicating. And I guarantee you that's the first step to the destruction of a relationship. You remember the day when you couldn't wait to get that love note? Remember the, you remember the day when, when, when you found out you got a letter in the mail? Or, or I mean, oh, that's different now. You found out you got a text, hey, man. <laughs> you got this text, you know, whatever. Uh, email. I don't even know if they use email anymore. But you got this, oh, man, let me read that. Over. And, and I mean, even today, even today, Tammy can write me a note today or a letter today or, or send me something today. And, man, I'm telling you what, it cranks my tractor. I'll read it over and over and over again, and I just can't get enough of it. And do you realize, do you realize that this right here is God's love letter to you? Do you realize this Bible that I hold in my hand is God saying, hey, I love you. I love you. Hey, I created you to have a fellowship with you and have a relationship with you. And I love you more than life itself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is saying, I love you. This whole Bible is God saying, I love you. I want a relationship with you. This whole Bible is God saying, I want you to know me. What is that one thing we have when we begin that relationship? It is our desire for somebody to know us. I want you to know me. We try to get their attention. We just happen to be in the same place all the time. I love, I love watching young people. I love watching young people. Oh, I don't like him. Yeah, you just happen to be close to him every time I turn around. Yeah, you just happen to giggle a little bit louder than everybody else in the whole room. No, you don't like him or not, but it's all convenient. You're always there. What are you doing? You do anything you can to get them to notice you. You wear them tight britches. 
You men put, put that cologne on that you can smell three blocks away. Say amen. You do everything you can to get them to notice you. You know what this Bible is? This Bible is God trying to get you to notice him. It's God trying to get you to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his character. He wants you to know his love for you. He wants you to know what he's done for you and what he will do for you and what he's doing for you in glory. This is his love letter to you. I, re- I remember when I went to Bible college. And they announced in the church, they announced in the church that I was going to Bible college. You know, his dad's camp meeting and... and, and, and you know, everybody was there, and it's, oh, congratulations, yeah, you called to preach and all this kind of stuff. And, and this one, this one older, older gentleman, older man of God, he, he used to be in the Navy. He retired out of the Navy, had old scraggly voice, real tall, and, and, and just, just a man. And, uh, and I was, I, was I mean, I've got it, this image in my head. I mean, I can remember it. And I was walking through, and I had my Bible in my hand, and uh, and, and, and he walked right up to me and took my Bible out of my hand, and he held it close, and, and he had tears dripping off his face. And he said, he said, Malcolm, he said, whatever you do, I know you're going to Bible college, and I know you're going to seminary, and I know, I know you're going, and you're going to be taking tests, and you're going to school, and you're going to have classes, and you're going to have work to do, and, and, and all of that. He said, but whatever you do, don't allow this to become a textbook. Don't allow this to become like a math book and like an English book and, and, and like a history book. And he said, this is God's love letter to you. Don't let it become a textbook. And you know what? I, I got to be honest. I've allowed religion to creep in. I've allowed religion to creep into my Christian walk. And, and, and you see my Christian walk, I got kind of religious because I made this commitment, because, you know, you hear people, you hear preachers say, bless God, you need to read your Bible every day, you know, and he's going after it, and, and I kind of felt guilty. Man, I'm, I'm a preacher, and I haven't been, you know, I, I, better, I better tighten up, man, I'll tell you what, and that evangelist preaching, and I'm going to do better. I'm going to, bless God, I made a commitment, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to read five chapters a day. And you know what I did? I, I was. I was reading five chapters a day whether I wanted to or not. Five chapters a day, whether I was getting anything or not. Five chapters a day, whether I remembered any of it or not. But bless God, I did my five. And you know what happened? I turned this into a textbook. I I wasn't going to it like I went to my wife's notes. Let me go here and read again what she said about me. Let me read again over here what she said about my new haircut. You see the difference? When's the last time you opened up his love letter to you and said, let me see what God said about me. Let me go find out what he wants me to know. Because you see, here's the difference. Are y'all paying attention? Here's, I don't want to set it down. Here's the difference between my wife's love letter to me and God's love letter to us. When I read my wife's love letter, it always says the same thing. I can read it over and over again, but the words never change. And it's cool, and I can read it, and I can read it, but there's nothing new. Y'all know the, are y'all, come on now, y'all don't act like y'all ain't never had no love letter. If y'all shouldn't, I'll write you one, okay? (laughs) All right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And it's like, it's like, oh, there it is. Let me read it again. Like there's going to be something new in it. 
Y'all know what I'm saying? Because you just wanted to hear it again. And you, but guess what? Every time you read this, this is the living word. It's alive. And every time you read it, he'll speak something new to you that you didn't see before, that you didn't know before. And it's just like you get a brand new love letter every time you read it. And you see, we, we quit communicating. And we wonder why our relationship with Christ is what it is, and it's because we've quit communicating. We've quit reading the love letter. And we quit listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, Tammy will deny this, but I'm telling you, it's God's truth. I'll take a polygraph. She told her friend she liked me. I know, I know. She's, she, she chased after me, I know. But she knew I was shy, and my friend knew I was shy, and my best friend and her best friend was boyfriend and girlfriend. And he said, hey, Tammy likes you. And, and, and you know, because I'm, I'm too shy to ask and talk about things like that. But she, she sent her friend to tell me, I think you hot. <laughs> now, she may have not have said it exactly like that, but that's what she was thinking. <laughs> Amen? I have the gift of discernment. But she, she sent her friend to tell me, I like you. And here's the deal. Do you remember the day that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to tell you, I like you? And that day that the Holy Spirit revealed to you what God the Father thought about you? And how much, y'all, come on now, if you've been saved, you know what I'm talking about. The day that the Holy Spirit opened up this book and said, let me show you what he really thinks of you. When's the last time we communicated? When's the last time we spoke in prayer? We'll talk about that next week. Communication. Number two. Number two. This is important. Good gracious, I'm going over time. Uh, this is so important. I, I've been doing marriage counseling for about 20 years now. And, 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 and I know to some that's not a long time, but, but I've been doing this a long I've been doing it long enough. Got, I've got some things figured out. And one of these things I've got figured out is this. You can't live with somebody you can't trust. You cannot live with somebody you can't trust. Do you know one of the very first things in Proverbs 31 that the Bible says about the, the virtuous woman? The Proverbs 31 woman? One of the very first things it says about the virtuous woman is this. The heart of her husband does safely, does safely, trust in her you cannot have a relationship if you can't trust the one you with hey it is what it is I ain't trying to make nobody feel bad I'm just telling you if I can't trust while I'm at work that you're not talking to somebody you're not supposed to be talking to I, I'm gonna go out of my mind if I'm walking around all the, I found out this when you can't trust the other person you're gonna have suspicious minds all the time and with that suspicious mind, you're always going to be thinking things you shouldn't think. And you're always going to think things that even whether it's true or not, you got to trust them. And do you realize that when you begin your life with Christ, when you begin your walk with Christ, he wants you to trust him? Proverbs chapter number three says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. 
The Bible says, for without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith is trust. He says, are you going to trust me? You know, when Jesus got frustrated with his disciples, it wasn't when they made a mistake. It wasn't even when they did something stupid, which they did on a regular basis. Jesus got frustrated with his disciples when they didn't trust him. You remember in the storm, in the ship, and they come to me, we're going to die, we're going to die. Carest thou not that we perish, we're going to die. And you know what he said? What are you doing? Where's your faith? You mean, let me translate that. Don't you trust me? Man, haven't, haven't we been together long enough that I've proven that you can trust me? Trust. Two weeks from now, we'll talk about that. Amen. Trust. You got to trust him. Let me tell you this. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. Number three. Number three. We'll pray. What was number one? Come on, say it. Number two. Number three. Affection. Write that down. Affection. Yeah, that's that ooey gooey praise and worship. One man said, amen, I heard that. I'm glad I got some support in here, amen. Listen, if you don't have affection, you don't have a relationship. You have a partnership. You need affection. You need those love letters. You need those sweet nothings whispered in your ear. Amen. If you don't, it's not a relationship. It's a partnership. Y'all may, there are so many people that inhabit the same house, but they don't have a relationship. This this old guy, this old, (laughs) this older gentleman, this this young preacher. Have I said that yet? Have I said that? This this young young preacher, it was his first church. I mean, he was so excited. I mean, he, he just got out of seminary, just got out of college, and he was sitting there, and he had his very first marital counseling. Very first. And he was so excited. But the only problem was, is, is the people that was coming in for counsel, the, count, the couple, they were twice as old as he was. And, and here he is, and they're sitting across the table. And, and, and this older lady, she starts and said, Preacher, I just want you to know something. He don't show me any affection anymore. He don't show me any love and tenderness. He's just not affectionate anymore. Well, that preacher thought, uh, man, what do I do? Uh, let me think. Uh, they didn't cover this in school. Uh, so he got an idea. He jumped up, run around that desk, and he laid her down, and he put one right on her mouth. Boom! I mean, laid one on her. Say amen. Set her back up, and she's kind of dazed and confused and, and puts her in her chair, goes back around his desk, and says, Sir, I want you to know she needs this right here at least twice a week. He said, No problem, preacher. I'll have her in here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Amen. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Are y'all with me? Listen, bro, I know I'm going overtime, but I got to tell you this one too. Uh, Brother Smitty, how many of y'all, if you don't know Brother Smitty, he usually comes to the first service. He's like a World War II veteran. He's, he, is anybody, can anybody tell me how old Brother Smitty is? 80, 80, 80 something, anyhow. 
the coolest guy in the world. I'm talking about the coolest guy. I can sit and listen to his World War II stories forever. I mean, he was over there, overseas and everything. Anyway, he, he, you know, when you get to a certain age and you're a World War II veteran, you can do anything you want to do. You can say anything you want to say, and you want to say, hey, man, he's a veteran. Leave him alone. He's, that's, this is what he said. Ah, oh, that's Brother Smitty. Amen. I can't wait till I get to that age. I just, I'm going to just say whatever I want. Just, I'm going to let y'all have it. I was preaching on love, and I said, man, you need to tell your wife every day that you love them. I mean, really praise your wife. And, 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 and he come to me after the service. He said, preacher, he said, I don't mean to dispute your word, but he said, I told Ed in the day we got, we got married, I love her. If anything changed, I'll let you know. <laughs> no. No. Ladies, ladies, how many of y'all could use a little praise from your husband? That was a little weak. Let me try this. Men, men, how many of y'all could use a little praise from your wife? Uh-huh, that's a little better. Whether you know it or not or believe it or not, they need it. They need to know what you think about them. What's the, what has this got to do with Christ and our relationship? When's the last time you told Jesus what you thought about him? When's the last time you snuggled up to him and praised him for keeping you alive? When's the last time you just snuggled up to him and thanked him for the air that you breathe, for the food that's in your stomach, for the roof that's over your head, for the shoes that's on your feet? I need a witness. You see, that's what we're here to do today. We're here to be affectionate with our Savior. That's what worship is. Worship, worth-ship. What is he worth? To you, it will be a reflection of your worship. If you sit in here like a knot on log and won't sing, that just tells me what you think about him. If you won't ever praise him, won't ever thank him, won't ever glorify his name, won't ever brag about him, all you're doing is telling me what you think about him. And a relationship will never be what it needs to be until you tell them how you truly feel. And all God's people say it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Everyone stand. We're going to take the next three weeks and talk about these three elements of a relationship. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your kindness, your mercy. Lord, I'm so glad to know that you do love us. You do care for us. Lord, you do have a plan for our life. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we're going to have a verse of invitation. If there is somebody, if there is somebody who, who needs to be saved, Lord, I pray that they would come. I pray if there's somebody who needs to join up, I pray that they would come. Lord, if there's just somebody who's just been struggling in their relationship with you and they just need some encouragement, they need some prayer, they, God, they, they, need, they need you to touch their hearts right now, I pray that they'd come during this verse of invitation. I pray that your will be done. Lord, we're not going to drag anything out. We're not going to force any issue. We're just going to give folks an opportunity. If they need prayer, we're willing to pray with them. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.